Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good afternoon. It's time for another episode of Never Punt, Comma, Never Parlay, a college football show where we talk about the lines, we talk about the games, and we try to uh, pick a few winners. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. I'm here with you as I will be every Tuesday from now until the end of the season and perhaps beyond. But uh, alongside me, I have my co-host, Douglas Farmer, uh, who bears with me despite uh, bad intros and uh, and stuttering speech. But uh, Douglas, good to, uh, I was going to say good to see you, but honestly, I saw you all weekend in Vegas this point it's a little much it, i i didn't want to be that blunt parker but you and i could use a little bit of time apart it was a it was a great time <laughs> in vegas circus sports treated us very very well uh i don't think you, you had never been to vegas like that sports book being yeah. your first one is a little bit unfair to everybody else because there's no comparison point for you from now on it's circus sports book or bust but it was a great time there great time seeing you but you're right uh maybe after this we can go a few hours without a text message or a conversation <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah had had a lot of fun this weekend and uh, didn't get too badly sunburned in the hour that I was outside uh at the at the stadium swim this weekend so thanks to the good folks at Circa for having us out letting us do some shows got to do a show with Brad Powers that's on the YouTube channel here uh Kanish called in to to, to defend uh our accusations that he's not real um and so you can check that show out uh, we had talk, had some futures talk, had some week one talk on on the channel as well. And uh, Douglas and I got to talk to our friend Tim Murray over at Decent. A lot of good connections, a lot of good content from the weekend. But certainly glad to be back. Glad to be in the swing of things. Glad to get going with um, with week one. Douglas, you and I have uh, kind of sketched out a pattern for this show. I'm trying to keep it snappy here and get us going. But uh, we're trying to look at uh, a little bit of a recap check in on our futures, talk about a couple big games, and then get some plays. So obviously the first part of that will be a lot quicker. Let's um, let's go ahead and uh, and dive in. Douglas, we watched uh, together Notre Dame uh, just absolutely steamroll Navy. I think that you were in on a minus uh, 12 in the first half for Navy, which was not even a sweat. Uh for, for you no, at all. It was, uh, what are it your was of our, our closing bets Friday afternoon? I think that's the only one that came home and it, it wasn't even a sweat. So it was nice to get the day started off well. I was very impressed with how calm they were. Notre Dame's offense was cool, calm, collected. You can't learn a whole lot when you play Navy. It's no offense to the midshipmen, but offense to the midshipmen. Notre Dame's offense couldn't prove anything good on the field. It could only create worries. Well, it didn't create any worries. And so now we move forward and assume. It looked that good. I'm sure you might have some explosive rushing thoughts or some passing efficiency thoughts, but even then it's, it's going to be sample size skewed more than usual because it was Navy. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you wanted to see um, Notre Dame take care of business from a, uh, a betting sense. I was a little bit worried about 20. That's exactly where I had the game. Uh, that wasn't a worry at all, but I, I am a little bit worried about um, Notre Dame and, and how really what they did was they ran over, uh, Navy, I, I felt like the passing attack was uh, something to circle to say, okay, is this going to be sustainable and translate to other people? But um, Estime had, you know, 15 attempts, 6.3 yards per attempt. 
even sat for a little bit with that fumble, sent a message about a new disciplined yeah. team. And we won't go too deep into that. But here's what I'm worried about or not worried about with Navy. Here's what I'm looking for is, uh, you know, when they go to NC State, are they going to be able to pass consistently enough to not count on missed tackles at the line of scrimmage to create those uh, those, you know, uh, quote unquote explosives would like to see a little bit more accuracy from Sam Hartman as well. But I think Notre Dame largely did exactly what they should do. And that's about all you can ask this weekend. On the other hand, Navy um, had a couple opportunities early in the first half to maybe change the tide, but it does appear that things are rough. Navy uh, team I'm circling to maybe fade for the rest of the season. Douglas, what about you? Uh, my Navy synopsis can be summed up by I did not purchase an alt line of under five and a half tickets at plus money this weekend, but I looked into to find the value and they are available at plus 110. It's not like that's a huge change from the preseason when it was six and a half. Navy was never beating Notre Dame in those numbers. So it's already been starting to fade downward to five and a half. You can get the the under at plus money and I might end up with one of those by the weekend. That That is my you're going to fade them in September. I want to fade them through December. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think I totally agree. Uh, another game that I think we were looking for and looking at was USC San Jose state. Douglas, why does, why does Southern California refuse to play defense? Well, it's entertaining. They, they're, you know, they're giving the people what they want. And what I want is Caleb Williams to have to pull off Herculean efforts. They it's you know the game ended 56, 28. Seven of those points were in garbage time, but still gave up 21 points to San Jose State. And I want to highlight seven of them in particular. The end of the first half, San Jose State got the ball less than a minute to go. Scored four plays later in 19 seconds. You knew what they were going to do, USC. You knew what was coming, Alex Grinch. And you just let San Jose State coast into the end. You can't. USC has exactly one month and 16 days to fix its defense before it goes to Notre Dame. And I will believe it when I see it. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to uh, be a little bit more robust there, especially from, uh, you know, look, Chevin Cordero, not a bad quarterback, but you sacked him one time. Uh, that's, that's a San Jose State off defensive line, or excuse me, offensive line. Got to do better there. Uh, definitely worried about USC. That's uh, part of the reason don't have any long-term season money wrapped up in USC is I didn't know about the defense. And right now I'm glad that I didn't do that. Uh, let's talk about the game that broke my heart, Douglas. If game where I do have season-long money wrapped up. If Rourke doesn't get hurt, Ohio maybe pulls away there. Maiden looked like a mess. That San Diego State offense does not look like it has improved very much. And that uh, just goes to show that the air bars are very, very wide in these lower-level games, and depth matters a whole lot. Ohio still had a chance at the cover at the outright win, even with uh, Rourke out. It does appear that he's precautionary. Uh, is that affecting your kind of long-term strategy? Um, as soon as he went out, we were sitting there at Circa and I was talking with, uh, I'm forgetting who it was in the booth next to us. And I looked up the Colin, uh, Colin I Wilson. I was talking with Colin Wilson from the action network about it. And I pointed out they, they effectively have six weeks for Curtis work to get healthy. And yes, I'm including a beat Kent state in those six weeks. Well, anybody should with a pulse should be able to beat Kent state. So I'm not too upset about it. Now that we know in the moment, we thought it was a real, like we thought, Rourke might be done. Just the the vibes we were getting from the screen. If he can come back, they've got six weeks. This week they're playing Long Island. I'm just going to ignore it, just like I'm going to ignore Notre Dame, Tennessee State. Um, but it does. Yes, I have the Ohio future. I think I have uh, them at 280 to win the MAC, and I'm gonna I'm gonna maintain some optimism. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Ohio's in a good spot. The defense looked again. We kind of said, "Hey, I'd like some churn." Uh, a tough loss, I think, for me. Kind of makes me annoyed, but I, I do believe I was on the right side of that handicap, honestly. So uh, another, I feel okay about it. I'm, I'm going to take my losses you. there. Oh, 
Yeah. Another tough loss for you was Vanderbilt. You had at the end of Friday's show with Brad Powers, you had suggested the Vanderbilt team total over 37. They they could have gotten there. And this is this is what happens in college football. A team goes prevent for the fourth quarter. Frankly, the score wasn't as close as it looks in general, but they really should have gotten you that over 37. Yeah, and I think I think on another show or maybe the show I took a seven a minus seventeen and a half too, and that's one of those coulda shoulda woulda right. Did not account for powerhouse juggernaut the Vanderbilt Commodores easing off the gas against Hawaii in a season opener. That's my bad. Look, we got to we got to factor that in. Um, not 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 a lot for me there. I like Hawaii's spark. They were really good against the spread last season. Uh, looking at Stanford, but I think it's a known secret right now. So I don't know that there's too much value on like, I'm not going to bet Hawaii plus three and a half, but you get it, you know, 10, nine, eight, something like that. Uh, oh, earlier, oh, I was, was kind of spicy here. You know what? I'm, I'm oh, not yeah. going to knock you off your feet there, but I've considered mm-hmm. the Stanford three and a half. I think Hawaii has got a five day, six day week, long flight back home. And I was most disappointed with their offensive organization. Five of their six timeouts were burned in pre-snap situations, not trying to stop the clock. That is not something that is necessarily going to get fixed in a short week. And that that is part of why the Vanderbilt game wasn't as close as it looked. Vanderbilt went prevent defense because Hawaii was already out of timeouts. Like you, that yeah. you can't do anything to catch up here no matter what you try. That's the kind of thing that'll make me worry about you through September. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, got a lot of got a lot of mojo. Hawaii got a moral. Victory, I think, out of that. I think by keeping that close, Timmy sure. Chang was talking about he knew the spread going into the game. Uh, interesting to see what they do against Stanford, and and if on a short rest week, that's a good that's a good uh, gambling point, if you will, on a short rest week, um, having to play Hawaii tra- or at Stanford, traveling again, coming back home. Um, futures checking in. Our, our next segment here, keeping the snappy. Uh, one I think game, we want to talk about one, one game, game of note. And you go ahead, just uh, troll me. I like to up. I deserve all of it. I'd like to take a victory lap. Well, one, I love Gavin Hardison, so this game hurt me uh, just emotionally in my heart. But uh, UTEP and and Jacksonville State, Jacksonville State with a big, big win for the over of 4.5. Rich Rod on the stage. Happy Didn't even play you. Logan Smothers. Happy <laughs> for you that you got that win. Yeah, really, really felt good about that one. Uh, again, didn't have a didn't have a play on this game. Wanted to see what Jacksonville State's uh, offensive and defensive line looked like. Feel okay about it. Feeling pretty good about this 4.5. Did not have them beating UTEP. We'll also, before I let you get a, a rejoinder in, just mention, uh, I don't want to talk about Louisiana Tech looking bad. They're going to figure it out. But uh, I do. I'm already up one in the uh, Louisiana Tech UTEP beer bet. So I'm feeling good about that. Uh, you should feel good about it, and I've got no, I've got no rebuttal. I've got no defense. Uh, UTEP's not dead to me, but that's just because I'm stubborn. I should probably uh, write them off and be bitter, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold out a little bit of loyalty for another week or two. That's it. No sense, no sense. You know, flipping everything out at the beginning of the season, but uh, definitely some sense in and uh, being a little bit worried about a UTEP team not being able to take care of business. And uh, I'm, I might be all in on Jacksonville State. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. This, this roller coaster takes. You me. were Man, pretty I was, I was far in on Jacksonville State. You were pretty far in on Jacksonville State <laughs> when the season before the season began. So to hear you go further is. Well, a little concerning, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Now, that was week zero. It is time for week one, a full slate, Thursday through Monday, five nights of games. I'm excited. I know you're excited. We, uh, we won't always have action on the biggest games of the week, but we should always discuss the biggest games of the week. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I think we'll have a, a good mix of games that we have action on and games that we're interested in. Uh, and and this week, I think we'll talk about two that are that are absolutely worth in terms of uh, some of our futures. Absolutely, also worth um, kind of understanding what the big picture is here. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, you want to go LSU, Florida State first? Uh, we can. I I should have had that uh, other order on the sheet, but that's my fault. LSU, Florida State on a neutral field on Sunday night, seven thirty Eastern. Uh, it's a two and a half point uh, LSU favored by two and a half points. And it's curious. This is, this is a rematch of last year when there was a similar spread Florida state won because LSU special teams were a debacle. This hasn't really changed, even though the outlooks on those two teams have just shot upward. These two teams are so much more hyped than a year ago. And the spread is, consistent which to me is a unique item of these these programs are building at a similar rate it would seem yeah definitely um i love the timing of this matchup because certainly you can't plan this out but i i do like that both of these programs kind of got this matchup in a, in a similar time uh clearly florida state needed a little bit more uh, a longer time horizon to turn around than lsu did but the timelines do seem to be syncing up here um yeah really really interested um specifically in kind of what would have year two of Jalen. Uh, excuse me Jaden Daniels at LSU, not at Kansas, interested in Jalen Daniels, but not during this game. Uh, and, and, and I specifically think the one thing I'm interested in is uh, his mobility is, is great. I think he's a fast runner, um, smart, and can make some decisions. I think that he was taking too much pressure and not handling pressure well last season, and that's going to be a drag on him. 31.6, I believe, uh, percent of pressures turned into sacks. That's not going to be um, good enough, especially against a Florida State defensive line that is uh, should Very be pretty good. athletic, should be hard to deal with this season. Um, so that's that's kind of what I have circled in this matchup for kind of understanding LSU the rest of the season. Doesn't really matter. Both of these teams can lose this game and make the playoff win their conference. You know, I don't think uh, there, there's going to be slight changes to your probabilities of um, the futures bets that you may or may not have on these two. But uh, you had those baked in. Right. So it's not like these are going to make or break the bank, I don't think. Uh, but I am interested in kind of learning what is the rest of the season going to look like for both of these teams. Your point there of the Florida State defensive line against this this rampant pressure allowed aspect of LSU is the item that if LSU were to hold up would change your season long outlook immediately. I don't know that I have anything in that respect for Florida State. It has become such a well-rounded team under Mike Norvell that there's no one particular aspect where I'm curious about. If they can get this upset, the hype train is going to be a little a little aggressive, and let's just keep that in mind. No team is as good or as bad as its most recent game. No matter how this game ends, we need to temper expectations. <laughs> and we are – cultural media, cultural gamblers, that's not always our forte. The one gambling note I have on this game is Brian Kelly as a favorite. Last year, last year LSU was a favorite one, 5-4, one against the spread. In Brian Kelly's last four years at Notre Dame, he went 24-13-1 against the spread as a favorite, and he won all 39 of those games outright. Now, this game's within a field goal. The spread still exists, but we're getting real close to a money line item, and he went 39-0 in his last four years at Notre Dame as a favorite. Brian Kelly has become very, very good at winning the games he's supposed to, and I would keep that in mind with this. If this drops to now, I don't expect it to drop. The line's been out for almost six months. I don't expect it to drop. But if it were to fall at all, I would really start to see value in LSU based on how Brian Kelly has built his organizations in recent years. 
Yep. And we believe that uh, those are those are sticky and stable metrics, kind of understanding what, you know, inherent properties of coaches across programs. Uh, the last thing I'll point out, uh, really interested, again, we've talked before about how Brian Kelly talked about his defense, how LSU with some turnover, some turnover, some transfers on the defense, try to shore that end up. Johnny Wilson for FSU, that wide receiver, uh, only a 23% target share, but he did qualify for the dudes list, 13 average depth of targets uh, or more and seven or, or six or more yards after catch. So he was 15.8 ADOT, 7.1 yak. Uh, what I'm interested in is, is he going to shoulder more of the low? They've got a great running back in Benson. Ta jo uh, Jordan Travis can, can run the ball really, really well. But Wilson's going to have to have more than a 23% target share to really be that elite number one wide receiver dude. Can he do it? And LSU, will they be able to match up one-on-one -on -one with the wide receivers they're going to see in their SEC schedule? Uh, Johnny Wilson's a great test for that. The biggest pro football contests in Vegas are back and bigger than ever with $14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. Enter in Nevada, play from anywhere, two ways to win and no rake. Play Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week with quarterly and full season payouts or join Circa Survivor. Select one team each week straight up. Last the longest to win it all. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircaSports.com for details. It, it's what we, it, I do like, uh, I praise the Pac-12 scheduling gods. We should praise the college football scheduling gods. In this instance, we know it's the large corporation known as ESPN. It's great having these games parceled out over Sunday night and Monday night. And, and even Minnesota, Nebraska, Utah, Florida on Thursday night. I do love this big opening weekend. And to get one like this, LSU, Florida, where we're going to learn things and we're going to learn things about top five, top ten teams, it's it's a great way to start the season. And I just mentioned Absolutely. the other one of those. Thursday night, we've got Utah hosting Florida. Utah, I, be I believe, is currently favored by six and a half points. It's at eight Eastern on Thursday night. And this line has moved all over the place, and it's clearly all related to cam rising. All summer was eight and a half, nine and a half. On Friday, it fell as low as four and a half. Brad Powers and I had a little back and forth Friday afternoon about which direction it was going to go. Well, it's back up to six and a half. And that seemed like it might be cam rising news, but we haven't heard anything since then. Yeah, who's who's gonna play? I don't know. I don't know who's gonna play. Uh, and so without that inside information, I think that it's kind of hard to, to have a real strong issue there. I mean, my numbers have this decisively towards Utah. But again, without him, without Keithy, I don't know what that's gonna look like. You've mentioned and I think I've mentioned that a Pac-12 future for U for Utah is really great because then you can kind of waltz your way around the medical issues at the beginning. They get healthy for conference play, all's well that ends well. But uh, I do believe you had talked about a flyer on Utah for the playoff um last week and Not uh and so playoff. i think you I need a, a flyer national, on yeah. utah to win the title uh it was uh 125 to one i believe i got it at uh and i can tell you that it was still existed that that number still existed at circa this past sunday it uh it's even without cam rising utah's favorite in this game so presumably they can win but that future is not taken into effect that presumably they should still win this game and this is a game where i i have been clear I believe the public has overreacted. I will buy on bad news. You will hear me say it a little bit later. I will buy on bad news, especially when Utah has had all preseason to get this replacement quarterback up to speed, to get a game plan to his skill set implemented. This is not you. You learned on Tuesday your quarterback can't go, and you had 48 hours to make a game plan. This has been four weeks, if not four months. So in that respect, I have been clear. 
I am I am not officially on Utah under a touchdown, but if I've got Utah under a touchdown, you you hear what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think uh, that's that's certainly interesting. On the other side of things, for Florida, um, uh, interested in kind of the Graham Mertz reality in maybe a Ewing effect, uh, where without Anthony Richardson, they're going to run a more boring and kind of stable drop back offense. Things will be a little bit more on schedule. It'll be less an individual player creating and more. Let's actually have an identity and run an offense. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's on the table. I need to see what Anthony, or excuse me, I need to see what Graham Mertz looks like. Perhaps no one in college football is making a starker change from year to year quarterback than Florida going from Anthony Richardson to Graham Mertz. Uh, and so want, want to see what the Florida offense looks like there. If the spacing gets better, if they can sit in the pocket, protect him and let him run through his progressions rather than relying on a quarterback to create chaos. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to work, but that's certainly the big question I have for Florida going into this matchup. I, I'm trying to keep my Graham Mertz slander to a minimum because that's not fair. Some of it might have been a Wisconsin problem. And in that respect, we're going to learn a little bit about, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but like in all, a Wisconsin offense that doesn't matter anymore. It'd be great to learn about this Wisconsin offense in, in retrospect and play on it in the future. I, I do not have the same optimism you have for Florida's offense. Graham Mertz, you and I discussed it briefly this weekend. He's either the second or the third worst quarterback in the SEC and no, they're not playing an SEC team this weekend. They are playing an SEC-like front on both sides of the ball this weekend. And so I don't think Graham Mertz is up to that task. We do have somebody in the chat here, Greg German, asking, Jermaine German, I apologize, I got that wrong. Cam Rising can't be playing. Uh, ACLs have become a nine-month injury ever since Adrian Peterson back in, what was that, 2012 maybe? He was the first one to really come back on that timeline, and it has become – the rather standard practice. It's not for sure, but nine months has become the rather standard practice on the ACL now. So it's not, Greg, he wouldn't be Superman. It's maybe not likely, but he wouldn't be Superman necessarily. Yeah, and and obviously Kyle Whittingham's going to be conservative about um, – is he, you know, is it worth it now knowing we want to win the Pac-12 primarily? Uh, so we'll see how they weigh all of that. Douglas, two big games, really interested in that. I think there's a couple more I'm really, really interested in. But we've got some picks. We've got a full slate of picks. We've got six total here, and we're at 21 minutes. So let's get into these. Let's go to the picks, and let's start with one, uh, a team that played last week. You're going you're gonna to fade them. Uh, talk to me about SMU versus Louisiana Tech. Part of the reason I'm fading them is because they played last week. Uh, years over years of data show it is to it is advantageous to have film to watch rather than to have reps in. SMU did not play last week. They have film to watch of Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech's counterargument, well, we got some reps in that. It is more advantageous to have the film. So in that respect, right out of the gates, SMU has an edge. Uh, Louisiana Tech against Florida International, nine out of the ten drives, Parker, were echo drives, per your definition, quality drives, where it was more likely Louisiana Tech would score than not. They scored 22 points. That is 1.83 points per quality drive. That is abysmal. That is a train wreck. And go. sure, you want to go ahead and say sample size. It's not like they're playing a good team. Now they go up against an SMU team that, that's going to put the ball in the air, an SMU team that's got some quality players. And I can get this as low. I believe I can get this as low as 19, SMU by 19, uh, neg 110 at points bet. I love that number. I would take it at easily to 20. 20 and a half, you start to worry about it. But if I can get SMU to win this at home when they've got advantageous film study, and we just saw Louisiana Tech, I know you've got the edge on the beer bet. We just saw Louisiana Tech look terrible 
in a victory yeah. looked terrible. I really, really like this play. I was kind of surprised it has not moved off that 19. There are a lot of 20s on the board. So even off that 20, I'm, I'm a little surprised it hasn't moved upward yet, and I'm glad to get in on it now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I mean, four four yards on five attempts uh, for the Louisiana Tech defense passing last week, and they still almost fumbled the bag. Um, SMU is going to have that that Florida, uh, that Louisiana Tech defense in hell, man. Uh, one stat I noticed about this that had circled, SMU, third most first downs given by penalties uh, last season. So defenses gave them the third most uh, first downs by penalties. It is going to be a choice for these Louisiana Tech defenders. Do I commit pass interference or do I get burned for a touchdown? SMU has a little bit of a fire under their ass, something to prove this week or this season, I think, with all this rumor about P5, potentially all that. I think they'll put up a lot of a lot of points this week. So I like this SMU. Uh, I like this SMU play. Um, I am going to go uh, a different, a little bit different direction. I'm going to trust a first-year coach uh, in a situation that uh, I think is really advantageous for him. Uh, Liberty, I uh, currently get that at minus nine and a half versus uh, Bowling Green this weekend. I think Louisiana, or excuse me, uh, Liberty is going to, uh, you know, has a couple of interesting quarterbacks on the roster. I think the talent level is much better than Bowling Green. Bowling Green going to be kind of a rough situation this season. Uh, Liberty is minus, minus nine and a half, minus 119 at, at FanDuel there. And uh, I know there's some news about the Liberty wide receivers. I am uh, counting on uh, Jamie Chadwell to come in, bring his offense in, be able to put these guys in optimal positions. You've heard me say it a million times. Coastal Carolina was one of the best teams at success rate differential on plays with and without motion. They can use motion effectively to create lineups. They're going to have Bowling Green on their heels, and I think they're going to get a ton of reps to establish uh, connections, or excuse me, uh, yeah, establish connections between uh, their, their quarterback and wide receivers. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Liberty here versus Bowling Green. Uh, you and I, you know my worry here, and it's that Jamie Chadwell's offense is is intensive, is difficult, is intricate for the quarterback, and so I worry about a learning curve. That said, uh, I'll cite back on Friday, we were talking about this game a little bit in the abstract, and Brad Powers preempted everybody and said, I will take that at nine and a half. I, if it goes to nine and a half, I will take it, and that's why we shop. We had a little bit of a typo a minute ago, Parker. It's actually available at Neg 110. This is why we shop. Uh, yeah. This is why we go to betstamp.app because the easiest way to improve as a sports better is to use multiple sports books and always get the best odds. Getting that at Neg 110 gives you a nine cents better look. And you, you betstamp.app makes it real easy to compare odds across every sports book. And then if you really want, you go scan the QR code in the top right corner and you get uh, access to a whole list of sports books for a quicker sign up. If you really want to make us feel better about ourselves and support the show, you go to betstamp.app slash hit the books. Or you use that QR code and you can go to one of these books that have that available at nine and a half, neg 110, the standard VIG. And it's it's a play that when I hear both you and Brad getting behind it, I start to think, you know what? I don't have to think that hard. I might I might worry about Jamie Chadwell's offense, but I don't have to think that hard. Just just tell the people that are smarter than me. <laughs> makes it makes it sound easy that way. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I, I, I yeah, I'm glad that's 110, not 119. I thought I was seeing ghosts there for a second. Um, that's great. Uh, okay, Douglas, keeping it rolling. So we've got SMU, we've got Liberty. Let's get into the Power Five a little bit here. Another ma big matchup, a game that I actually thought we were going to talk about in our big game segment. But you have a play. Take me out to the East Coast. Take me out to the Carolinas, and uh, and let's let's talk about it. 
7.30 Eastern, Saturday night, the, the competition for Carolina, because I can't come up with a better word that starts with a C, North Carolina, South Carolina, in Charlotte, so a neutral field. And in this instance, I'm going to consider it to be genuinely a neutral field. And I am going very, very tentatively, but I am committing to it, North Carolina by two and a half, just getting the hook under the field goal. And a lot of the reason this is available is because North Carolina receiver Tez Walker has not yet received an NCAA ruling on his waiver uh, looking for eligibility this season. Tez Walker originally went to North Carolina Central to play football. When they didn't have a season in 2020, he transferred to Kent State. He didn't even play at Kent State. He just practiced. But when he transferred to North Carolina, the NCAA said, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't like people doing things that make sense. You can't play this year. And now he's applied for a waiver. We will see if that comes to fruition. But this line was at three. And now it's at two and a half as a reaction to that. And I will buy on bad news. Furthermore, and I really, once I realized how clear this could be, I'm curious if I'm going to get any pushback from you. I, I don't think I will, but I always worry. South Carolina's rush defense last year was bad. And I mean bad now they returned one defensive line starter they lost two of their best linebackers they're going against a north carolina team that we only think about drake may but they had a good running game last year and they have four or five offensive linemen returning i think the biggest mismatch on the field in this game is north carolina's rush offense against south carolina's rush defense and the edge is very clearly to north carolina's rush offense so with or without tez walker my biggest mismatch on the field is applicable and i can get this at lower than a field goal i'm good with it yeah, I'm interested in that. Uh, th this is kind of a fun matchup because I think if we were going to go for coaching advantage, I'd say one, uh, I'm going to give that to South Carolina here just because I don't love what North Carolina has on both sides of the ball there. But um, I've got this as a straight toss up. South Carolina is just not good last year at the down to down business of football, but they are out kicking their coverage in terms of their four-year average of recruiting. Their returning, or their returning production is, is low on defense, but they're bringing in better recruits theoretically. Um, I'm interested. My biggest my biggest rooting interest here is for my uh, UNC under. I would love to have this one in the bag. I didn't count it, but I would love to have this one in the, um, in the bag. We appreciate the support, Dano, especially as Parker right there just openly cheers against me. Here we are, hit the books, hammer HQ, trying to create winning numbers together. And Parker's just sitting there wishing against me. I, I understand why, Parker. And it's it's a game that you and I can both expect to be, oh, you know, a shootout because North Carolina still has that defensive coordinator. What's his name again? I, I can never quite remember who that is. I'm going to have to right. Google it after Former show. Auburn head coach, Gene Chizik. <laughs> Uh um, that is yeah, that is definitely. one of our favorite bits and it will not end anytime soon. But in this instance, I'm just gonna lean on that North Carolina rush offense. Um yeah, I think I think that's totally fair. And I love the matchup thinking right there. Um uh speaking of you said buying on bad news, speaking of bad news, let's talk about the USF Bulls and uh one of the most bad news defenses of the season last year. Uh currently USF is at um uh, excuse me, Western Kentucky is minus 11 and a half versus USF. I think that's the current line um, there. And uh, I'm going to trust Austin Reed and the consistent high volume offense of Western Kentucky, 45th in offensive EPA per play, 29th EPA per pass. They were fifth in rush rate over expected, minus 13.5 points, uh, percentage points less than the average team. They're going to throw the ball at a high volume. South Florida made a change, got an offensive minded guy down there. Um, 
but their problem hasn't been offense. Jeff Scott knows offense. They had a good offense last season under Gary Bohannon, 46th uh, EPA per play with him at the helm, but their defense was 127th overall, 70th against the pass, 131st against the rush. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say out of the gate here, I like Western Kentucky to have continue their high volume ways to continue their, their prolific scoring ways and uh, outclass a worse uh, USF team, a team that I think in the long run could build up, but right now I'm pretty low on. So give me Western Kentucky and, uh, and, and give me a, a big cushion for the Hilltoppers to start the season. How long of a long run are you talking that South Florida could build up a, a decade? Douglas, eternity begins anew each day. It does. Uh, I honestly don't think with with the abundance of talent with the transfer portal, a team like USF should be flirting with competing for a conference champion in two to three years. Um, I think you can turn your reversal of fortune competently. You can you can make that reversal of fortune that quickly. Will they do it? I don't know. But uh, clearly Jeff Scott had the offensive side down, couldn't get the defensive side down while they were doing it. Um, maybe Alex Golush, as they bring him in here, will be able to uh, kind of stabilize the defensive side of things. But starting out early, USF, terrible defense, experienced veteran quarterback, high volume passing with Western Kentucky. Uh, let's let the Hilltoppers roll. I, I enjoy it, and if you can't tell by my decade comment, my my note and conversation for this game was just fade USF. I know the West Kentucky offense. I know all the – but really, sometimes it's just as easy as fade a team, and you can fade USF for at least a little bit still this year. I'll be curious to see how far the market spirals on them, but that's a conversation for a few weeks from now. My last play this weekend is, is one where you, you hear the number I'm going to say, and you're going to be surprised because I'm – I'm getting a hook here against me, but I am taking UCLA to beat Coastal Carolina by at least 14 and a half points. And I can thank Chip Kelly for this decision. He announced today, I believe I saw it this morning, that Ethan Garbers will be the starting quarterback. Ethan Garbers has been a reserve of the backup quarterback at UCLA for a while now. And I would argue of the three players in contention for that job, he had the highest week one floor. Perhaps the lowest season-long ceiling, but the week one floor. He knows Chip Kelly. He knows the offensive lineman. He knows the system. Whereas Kent State transfer Colin Schley has been a little banged up this preseason and is a newcomer. Five-star freshman Dante Moore is clearly a newcomer. But Ethan Garbers knows this team. Now add on top of that, Chip Kelly said all three will play. So that means even when we get into garbage time and Colin Schley and or Dante Moore come in, they're going to run the offense because they want to get an idea of what these players can do. So if I can get this, yes, it's, it's an ugly-looking number when you're taking a favorite by two touchdowns and a hook. But this game, it, it's, it could end up really being a blowout. I looked at your numbers, Parker, and you've got them favored by well more than two touchdowns. And your total falls a little about a touchdown short of what the market has of 65-and-a-half. I'm not playing the over officially, but I'm looking at the over because, again, the offense is going to keep playing actual football for UCLA, even when they go up there. And yes, UCLA is a running team, but you know, sometimes your quarterback has to figure out how to do that too. So those three quarterbacks are all going to lean into the run and they're all going to get actual snaps. And that's just going to spiral on coastal Carolina under a new coach, a new system, all the respect to Grayson McCall. I don't think he can keep up with this Bruins. No. And again, you, I mean, you've heard me say the stat on this podcast before, but uh, even today, this show, 
Coastal Carolina, ton of creative success off motion last year. I think they have a huge downgrade at, at coach. Um, Going to be a lot of issues. Again, can't talk enough about our boy Carson Steele, the led the nation in yards before carry or yards after contact, excuse me, uh, last season. And now he's going to get a P5 offensive line against the G5 defensive line. I, I think there's a lot of reps to go around. I think UCLA is a really good play here. It, it is my last play. And before we go to your last play, I can't forget to thank Circa. Just as we started the show, before we get out of here, we should thank Circa again for how well they treated us this weekend. And you know they had us out there trying to drum up, trying to hype up their, their NFL competitions this year because they've got two that combined for $14 million in guaranteed prizes. They've got the Circa Million, the fifth year of it was $6 million in guaranteed prizes. It's a $1,000 entry fee. It's, it's, not, it's not light on your wallet. But you can win up to $6 million in the competition. For that matter, if you finish last, if you, you absolute the worst in the against the spread, you win $100,000. So right there, it, it, and that shows you sometimes it's as hard to go badly in gambling as it is to do well. And then there's also the Circus Survivor. $8 million guaranteed to the winner or winners. It might may have to be split if multiple people can pick 20 games in a survivor format through the season. Again, it's a thousand dollars per entry. You have to pick a game on Thanksgiving. You have to pick a game on Christmas, but that's how they get it to 20. And that's how they make it that much more difficult and entertaining. 8 million for the survivors, 6 million for circa million. You have to sign up by September 9th at 2 PM. You got to go out to Las Vegas or somewhere in Nevada to do it. And Parker, you and I can be the first ones to say, if you're looking for an excuse to go to Las Vegas, to go to Circa, it's you're going to do okay. You're going to have an okay time if you end up at Circa for a weekend. We assure you. Absolutely. I can, I can vouch for that. And I, uh, I certainly had some fun, a great place. And uh, yeah, we do, we do appreciate um, being out there and uh, yeah, I'll take care of those, take advantage of those um, contests. And next year, go to the sign up weekend. It was a lot of fun. I spent, I think one of the people I talked to the most was the team of dudes who won the contest last year and flown out and we're entering again. And like, yeah, there's all these media people here. Happy to meet them. Happy to talk. And those guys were so much fun. It was just great to be around everybody, a good atmosphere. And so certainly something to check up. Uh, Douglas, I have one more play. One last one. And again, I'm going consistent. I'm going with the brand. I'm going with my futures. Let's talk Clemson at Duke to start the season. Uh, I am going to go ahead and ride with the Tigers uh, I think that Duke last year was a fun story. That offense was really fun with Riley Leonard. Clemson is currently 12, minus 12 and a half, minus 110 at FanDuel. And uh, I, I believe that what I said a couple weeks ago about the rumors of Clemson's demise are greatly exaggerated. Um, I think that's true. I think they start off on a hot uh, hot streak right here. Klubnik with Garrett Riley gives them a lot of upside on offense to pace themselves out of a um, – any, any kind of distance that Duke could score. And I like Riley Leonard. I like his dual threat ability, but I think that Clemson is going to be able to box him in with that defensive line and, uh, and Duke's defense still a little bit struggling to keep up here. Uh, I think this has Clemson written all over it. Tell me I am wrong. I can't. You mentioned Clemson's defensive line. It's, their linebackers might be better. You have me thinking just, I haven't looked up the number, but just in the top of my head, there might be an avenue here for a Duke team total under. Uh, Clemson's demise has been greatly exaggerated. We all focus on the offense. That defense is still going to want to prove some things. That defense last year took some criticism in its first year without Brent Venables, and that might be another piece of, of unnecessary redemption, if you will. There I could see an, another angle of if you don't like 12-and-a-half, which 12-and-a-half, how are you getting 12-and-a-half on this? This is, this is why you 
shop. You want to hear the truth, folks? Parker expected this at 13 today. And just before the show, we found this 12 and a half. And we're glad it's still there as we file it away. This is why you go to betstamp.app. This is why you scan the QR code so you can shop and find that 12 and a half at FanDuel. And it just sets you up. Imagine, Parker, this game's going to end 27-14, and you're going to be sitting there giddy because you shopped. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy about this. And uh, I think everything that I have leading up to this to be, you know, a lot bigger in Clemson's direction. Uh, I'll give you one more stat just for free, just on the house. You can have this last season, Duke's offense, 18th in early downs, EPA 46th in third and fourth down success. So it's kind of like, Hey, we got to get it. We got to get it early or we're not going to get it at all. Clemson's defense, 10th in early downs, EPA allowed 18th and third and fourth down success. So what Duke needs to succeed on offense is getting ahead of the chains. Clemson is not going to let you do it. A lot of third and negative situations for Riley Leonard. Uh, I think this could be a pretty, pretty one-sided affair in Clemson's direction. So I will ride with the Tigers there. Um, Douglas, let's recap our best bets. And I think we can uh, tie a bow on this and call it a, a good week one first uh, first show. What are your well, we'll bets see. for this week? We'll see if it's good. We'll see if it's good once we see the <laughs> results. It, 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 we, we, we do preach process, not results, but let's be real here. My week one bets here on Never Punt, Never Parlay, part of the Hit the Books HQ YouTube channel. You're already here. Subscribe to it. Rate, review, subscribe. Things Parker and I forget to say. And part of the Hammer Betting Network. We appreciate them having us. And, and my week one plays on all these platforms begin with SMU, favored by 20 against Louisiana Tech. That's a nooner on Saturday. Then I go to the, the Saturday primetime, North Carolina by two and a half against South Carolina on a neutral field. And late night Saturday to keep me up at the bar while I'm working, UCLA by 14 and a half against Coastal Carolina, betting on a quarterback rotation to get me uh, a, a – a win, even though the number is ugly. Those are my three this week. I, mean, I had a few more that I didn't commit to. I'll probably chat about them on Twitter tonight or tomorrow morning because, you know, three's not an I'm a reformed shotgun better. Three's not going to be enough. I'll end up at five or six total big plays this weekend. But these are the three that I am committing to right here on Tuesday afternoon. We go live every Tuesday at 4 Eastern. Parker, your three were? I like Liberty minus nine and a half versus Bowling Green. I'm going to take the Jamie Chadwell offense to do Jamie Chadwell offense things. I'm going to go with Western Kentucky and the um, explosive and experienced Austin Reed at quarterback over an outmatched USF team minus 11 and a half. And then Clemson uh, minus 12 and a half, I think is what I saw there uh, against Duke. The line moved in my favor. Uh, Clemson Tigers are back. We're saying it. Those are my three picks. A lot of favorites this week, but I like I like our lines. I like the edges here, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to roll with these uh, this slate. As am I. You are Parker Fleming. I am Douglas Farmer. We should we should just get out of here while we're ahead. I love it. Thanks for uh, listening. Rate, rate, subscribe, review, share it with your friends. Roast us on Twitter for our picks, and uh, we'll see you back next Tuesday.